All right. Uh, Got it. All right. Well, hi, everybody. My name is Dominic Mundy. I'm the executive director of the Northeast Spa and Pool Association, and we are back with our latest episode of New Depths, NESPA's podcast for the pool industry, where we talk to folks around the industry who are in our membership or who are educators or otherwise uh, committed to raising the bar for the pool industry in general. And today we have someone who's been a participant with NESPA in our education and our training for a long time, uh, a well-known face around the industry, uh, Mr. Steve Barnes from Aquastar. Uh, so Steve, why don't you introduce yourself for everybody, a little bit about your background and how you got into the pool industry. And then we're going to dive into a specialty niche of yours, which is VGB compliance. Thank you, Dominic. I appreciate uh, being here and all that NESPA does, greatest show on earth. I can say that, right? Uh, <laughs> so my name is <laughs> <laughs> so uh, my name is Steve Barnes. I'm director of science and compliance for Aquastar Pool Products. I've been in the industry officially, as in getting a paycheck, since 1984. But really, my experience, and I consider I consider myself incredibly fortunate is I was born in South, now I was born not in Scottsdale, but I was raised in South Scottsdale, Arizona. And in 1973, so I would have been nine years old, my parents had a concrete pool installed. And so this was a Shasta pool. It had 1973, it had an in-floor cleaning system in it. I watched this pool being built from beginning to end, from painting the grass and mom wanting to move the move it around to digging steel, concrete, every single aspect of it to the point, because I was nine years old, I was showing up, I was a latchkey kid too. So I was showing up at school like 11 o'clock in the morning, thought I was getting away with something because I was watching every time there was construction in that backyard, I was you know, because I was last to leave. So I stayed and watched it. And I thought I was just getting away from something. I didn't. I learned later, like in my 20s, that my parents and the school knew. But I was so worried about getting in trouble, I kept my grades up. And so I went from like a C student to, you know, maybe a B or whatever. But anyway, I watched all of it, always been fascinated with the mechanical side of it. And then, um, so that was two forks in the road. One, absolutely lived in the swimming pool. We're talking, you know, Phoenix heat in the 80s where it doesn't get below 100 until like two in the morning. So we swim in bath. We lived in the swimming pools. There was a couple up and down uh, on the block. There was five or six of us that hung out together all summer long, barefoot for years on years. I mean, there was three channels on TV. One of them was still black and white. That's how old I am. Um, no internet and all that. So that's what we did. The, and the swimming and then the mechanical side of it, I was the one who had to take care of the pool. So when that one pop-up cleaning head didn't work, I was one. And so that's important because when I got involved in the um, pool industry officially in 1984, I went to work for caretaker systems as a research and development lab technician. And they do the pop-up cleaning heads. In fact, that work and all that's now one of the, the big three. So that product line, it's ironic that the in-floor cleaning system that was uh, difficult to sell and very expensive is now in all the big three. 
That's why these in-floor cleaning company companies are in these big companies. So that's um, that's interesting. So, but the the swimming is important because before I started in the swimming pool industry in Tempe, Arizona, there's a surf park. It's called Big Surf. It's there to this day. And some of maybe have heard me tell this story. Is it has a wall? At the time, it was a wall that holds like 110,000 gallons. They pump it full of water. It opens, not unlike flushing a toilet, and then that 110,000 gallons comes out and forms a wave that you can surf on. I mean, it can be big enough to do curls. It can do the little waves that we do, the rafts and all this. So this would have been the late 70s. I think I was a teenager at the time. Been swimming all day long, dog paddling all day long. I was a good swimmer. And got into a banter with the lifeguard who basically asked if I thought I was a good swimmer. I said, I know I'm a good swimmer. He says, okay, go behind this red line and swim underwater with this kind of emotion. And he sent me right down on a main drain that was, you know, the size of a car. It was like four foot by eight foot. And it was drawing 110,000 gallons a minute to fill that wall. It's about 15 feet deep, something like that. So I was standing on this thing. It was elevator going down for a minute. I was looking up at the lifeguard, people watching and all of this. And I knew, I knew, I knew I could hold my breath for over two minutes. So I wasn't worried about that. I was worried how, okay, I got here. How am I going to get it out, get off of it? And then as it turns out, when the louvers opened, it stops the suction or it stops the flow because it reverses momentarily. Mm-hmm. And that allowed me to swim to the side of the grate and then to the surface um, there's a lot more to that story, but basically the lifeguard got hauled to the administration office by all the adults who saw it. And I continued swimming. No one ever said a word to me. I was like, no, I'm fine. You know, today I'd own that place. Of course they have very different rules, <laughs> but that background is, I, I feel relevant to what we do, what I do today is because I learned, Hey, this stuff can be seriously dangerous, but I yeah. so loved water. That when we were in the end, when I was a caretaker in the end floor cleaning brain that was made on the more happened to be made by American products for those of you around back then. And it had a big opening that allowed the, the leaves get into it. Well, they discontinued it. And then the in floor cleaning system had nowhere to put the debris. So we decided, okay, as a company, we need to design our own drink cover. And this was like 1987, coincidentally, which is when the drain cover standard was originally authored by um, UL and ASME. So the standard and me have been around about the same time, you know, working on drains. And basically the, the important thing here is, is in looking at this, it's like we, right from the beginning, it's like this thing can be hazardous. We need to be careful what we do especially since what we were talking is great big openings in the drain. So the leaves would go in it. Uh, at that time, hair entrapment meant nothing to me. Uh, hadn't even contemplated lemon trap. It was all about body, body, body. And that was kind of where the industry was for, for decades. So those two things are, are kind of instrumental in where I am in the industry. And aside to that is in school, I was heavily involved from the sixth grade on setting up microphones and lights. And I did technical theater and um, simultaneously with that in my senior year and high school year, I went into aviation maintenance. So I was going to become a mechanic for airplanes. 
And the and so that those two things played a pivotal role in my career and what I do today in the aviation side of it is that class, those classes, you either got an A or an F. The concept, actually, the teacher got in trouble for it because there's evidently rules against that. But the the whole idea was is if you either got it right if you're fixing or working on an airplane or people die. You know, if the carburetor stalls, you don't pull to the curb. And so there was no compromise on safety. And then on the theater side, it was about doing very technical things, sound, all of that, um, staging. But so you wanted it to be fun, but you didn't want to get people to get technical overlap there that and then the final piece to this puzzle that lays the groundwork of where how I ended up in this peculiar position is um, I in 1984, the same year I started uh, in the pool industry officially, I started shooting fireworks professionally in Arizona. So my very first fireworks show was on July 4th, 1984. And the significance of that is um, over the years, I started out as crew and then I became a a head pyro, as it's called, started producing. I always worked as an employee because of the ATF and lots of regulations, as you might imagine, um, explosives and all the training that goes with it. But so we had to, in that role as a head pyro, you have to deal with building officials. So you're working with standards, the ATF, the explosive standards, you're dealing with clients. You're putting on a show. You have to have permits and inspections. And if you have a problem and don't follow the codes and the standards and they give you a red tag on the 4th of July, you don't tell 200,000 people come back tomorrow when I get my green tag. Right. And so and I dealt with that for three decades. And then so that really had a huge impact. All of that together. I'm at is it had to be safe. We wanted it to be fun, entertaining, effective. And that really is the pool industry. All of those aspects. Ultimately, we want people to have fun and enjoy their backyard. But we as professionals have to be very um, effective at that. <clears throat> and, and then there's a, a dovetail story on how that continues how I ended up with Aquastar, but I'll give you pauses or anything that you want to chime in on or shall I keep going? You're not to, you know, I say this with every interview, but it's still, it's almost like I should have a little scorecard where I just keep track of how often it happens where your road to the pool industry is somewhat circuitous. It's not exactly where you started. Right. And but there's always some background and passion for swimming. And again, seeing your instructor evaluations, it's no surprising to me that you were involved with theater and large scale performances because you clearly have a, have a flair for entertaining people when you convey information. So, yeah, I like to think if you keep it interesting, people will learn more. Sure. And, Absolutely. you know, and also, you know, I guess it's a little bit who I am. So picking up, um, so that's kind of the background and the core of who I am um, that really impacts what I do today. So pick up on the pool industry, 1984, R&D technician, we're designing, you know, pop-up cleaning heads. And this is another aspect that'll try into like the water wall and working with Paul at P-Track and all of that. 
So one of the very, my very first show, uh, trade show was the international show in, um, in San Francisco in 1984. And we built the trade show booths in house. And so I was hands-on in the trade show, the training of internal support, again, in a technical role. But we go through, so I was with them for, through 1986. And why the, the in-floor cleaning system is significant to hydraulics and, and performance and energy efficiency, because I'm involved in those standards mm-hmm. and have been, is the in-floor cleaning system is obviously the last in line to get water. And so that's your pop-up cleaning head. Well, we only did the pop-up cleaning head, the valve, and a couple of unions. It was a very small company at the time. And so being last in line, they were guaranteeing to the pool owners that the pool would be 99% clean. I remember sitting in on that meeting. I think, wow, this is crazy. Um, And uh, there's some nuance to that story. But the bottom line, I was tasked with testing all of the pumps of the day. And there was like 11, 13 pump manufacturers at the time. So we would test them all with our in-floor cleaning system to see how they worked. And then we got into, well, okay, a sand filter, pools with sand filters aren't cleaning like cartridge filters. And so it was all of that nitty gritty engineering detail. And I was working under a PhD and, you know, a professor at Arizona State University. So really highbrow level stuff. And um, so we went through all of that work. It was my foundation. And that's the hands-on kind of world that I've been in the whole time. Mm-hmm. And I was off on my own for a couple of years designing 3D products. I got into product design. Um, and then um, we were involved. Caretaker started Pebble Technologies. So we imported that concept from Australia and we, and, you know, none of their pumps, everything's different metric, their motors are 50 Hertz, all kind, everything was different. So we had to reinvent the wheel. So in that process, then I really got to know and work with applicators, the plasters who, you know, like you, you go back to, to 1991 and tell a plaster here, I'm going to give you this serve and she just watched they thought we were out of our minds and now look the pebbles exposed aggregate is kind of everywhere and so that was my first introduction into the world of what it's like to install products in our industry and people looking at certainly exposed aggregate finishes or things are not perfect um, you know, homeowners are not happy about this. So I was, because I was the trainer, if you will, of the technology, when pool builders couldn't, or applicators couldn't get their final check because there was a dispute on this brand new Pebble Tech product, I ended up flying and dealing with lawyers and going in the backyard and trying to figure out how to solve the problem and get the customer happy and get the, the you know, the, the, the applicator out of a bind or a builder. And one of the things, chasing leaks, for example, on both the plaster and the pop-up cleaning heads. And so dealing with that, that is the everyday reality we in the pool industry and our our service pros and builders are dealing with, you know, that was fun to travel a little bit, but it's no fun to deal with unhappy customers as we all know. And so my personal philosophy and that of the companies that I've worked for is we got to make sure we get this right at the manufacturing side so that they can collect that final check is the ultimate. 
you know, and there's no leaks. So that delves into the nitty gritty detail that anyone seen me present knows I live in. Um, and uh, so that's my background on that. And then those two, the, the applicator side and then the drain covers and hydraulics is I was at Paramount for uh, eight, nine years. I was at Pentair Safety and Compliance for 10. And it was during that time. So I was at Paramount. We were doing the in-floor cleaning system drains with big openings and the drain cover standard. We got a call from an important customer in um, 2002 that said, hey, there's a proposal to limit the opening size of um, drain covers to half an inch or even three eighths of an inch just from, cause that's what Europe's doing. Mm-hmm. Well, that immediately put right back onto my personal radar. Okay, here we go again with the in-floor. We're out of business if we have nowhere for these things to put their leads. And so next thing I know, I'm being told, get on a, an airplane, go to Washington DC to fight this. And I'm like, Okay, but I had a lot of experience dealing with fire marshals, the the fireworks side, um, you know, the last 10 years I retired in 2017, 18, but it was a televised show in the city of Phoenix, um, Tempe, actually. So it was CBS and Fox over the over the years. So I have been and dealing with the fire marshals as I'm in. So I have been in high pressure, high profile live TV interview kinds of things. So going to Washington, I wasn't at my core intimidated. And I I think I found my niche. I knew the technology. I knew the safety. I had the personal, I could advocate for the families and anyone who's had a tragedy. I could empathize with that from my own near miss. And it's kind of the perfect storm. Been called a unicorn more than once. And this is kind of why. But during that, so trying to make this story short and tied into where we are with Aquastar and this amazing company is so 2002, we're looking to deal with the, the finger opening thing. Now I'm dealing with really smart people that are writing engineers, literal rocket scientists that are working on that, that standard. And we start to look like there's no body block test. And Virginia Graham Baker was held down because it was a flat and flush mount cover. And on top of that, it broke. And so we started looking at it. So now I'm engaged in the process and come up with a proposal to deal with large openings that are safe so they can't entrap fingers and limbs. Worked with a bunch of very smart people and ASTM standards to come up with so that these funny shape openings and drain covers, you can't get your feet, fingers, whatnot caught in. Mm -hmm. Well, then I didn't want to just walk away from the other things that I had knowledge of, but kind of our, our issue had been dealt with and, but the much bigger picture was being dealt with certainly by Pantera, Hayward, um, Jandy at the time at this big level. And there was a lot more to offer. So I, I actually, with the blessing of Buzz Giz, who owned Paramount at the time, um, working with Pantera made a transition friendly. They, he just like, we would love to keep you, Steve, but you can help in a bigger way. There's a lot coming. So that was on the drain covers. Then variable speed pumps start to arrive on the market. And um, California does its energy efficiency thing on residential pools. So all things hydraulic start to converge at the national level in our standards, at the then NSPI, um, Congress passes the VGB Act in 2007. 
that January, February, the drain cover standard had finally been completed and added a body block test, full head of hair test, all kinds of technical stuff that those have seen the presentations, or if you read an article coming out, you'll, you'll get more bat- uh, background on that. Um, so working in that environment, it just, I had this weird, unique background to pull it all together. And so Congress passes the VGB Act in August, I think it is. Um, it's signed by the president that December and everyone gets one year to comply. So we have a brand new standard in 2007. We have a brand new federal law in 2007. And Congress made it retroactive with one year to comply. And then I think anybody around at the time knows what a chaotic zoo that was. I think I did over 250,000 miles in 2009 and 10, just trying to sort this out and explain it to anyone. So I'm at Pantera at this time and we, there's no drain covers on the market. Even the, you know, the safety drains, the, the one, the anti-hair snare plus was a great way ahead of its time. But when you put a full head of hair on it versus a ponytail, it plugged up. So it was just a little too small, great, great product, but it plugged up with hair. So it had a terrible flow rate. So even the best drains, in my opinion, on the market couldn't pass the new federal law. It, it was Panicsville. I knew, I obviously know a lot about the inner workings and it's like, oh, what a mess we have on our hands. And we're, I'm at Pentair, we're scrambling to design drains. I know, you know, Paramount's working on them and, and all of the other companies I've worked with over the years. And then all of a sudden, this star starts to show up. And these drain covers I had never seen. We're working with NASA because they had a Space Act agreement to support the CPSC. This is all in 2008 and 9-ish kind of thing. And all of a sudden, I see this Aquastar cover. And I was like, oh, wow, that's somebody's providing a solution. Like two weeks later, here, well, that was a 9. Now here's 12s. And here's an 8 and a 10. And I kid you not, there's pallets showing up in these warehouses of drain covers I'd never seen before in this company I had never seen before. And I'm like, how in the heck are they doing this? And so that was my experience. And then I met Olaf and his partner, Wade, I had met, I had known from my Pebble Tech days. So we start communicating at trade shows and networking. And I'm like, this is cool stuff. And then I see a propeller drain and a circle and channel drains. It's just stuff that no one had ever contemplated. And really found a kindred spirit um, in Aquastar and talking to Olaf. And I was just amazed by what he was doing and all that. And I think there's some mutual respect in what I was doing and, and my product background. And then so we talked for a long time about coming to work because he wanted to build a world-class lab and all of this kind of stuff. Well, 2014, that that happened. And so we designed and we can show pictures of the lab and, you know, uh, you know, and this was a brainchild. It was Olaf's dream. And he allowed me to, to, to take everything I'd known and learn working with NASA and PhDs and really smart people and make it fun. The theatrical side is like, okay, let's, let's do this in an interesting way. We got windows so you can watch and they're helpful for us, but, it's, it's also so you to really be able to see what's going on. He's such a visionary that's so, so far beyond um, where we. 
story, he, he is another lifer, not in the pool industry, but his parents, his family did massive tooling uh, in the automobile. So they did molds like the size of car doors and trunks. Huh. So, I mean, he's in the shop. He tells his story about being around this machine shop and working machines and, and presses and making, um, you know, making the tools that make the parts. And so he started Aquastar in 2000, I think it was 2001, I think they incorporated in 2002, 2003, starting with one drain cover, call it 2003, and now, you know, our catalog is this thick with them. And that's because Olaf is, is just an, an amazingly driven person that I question whether he sleeps because the amount of work he does before the sun is up and the his ideas and his ability to bring in people to execute those ideas. And then he, he is not bashful about motivating. And so we accomplish as individuals two or three times more in a day, I think, than certainly in any of the past, just because he is so persuasive and motivated and passionate, but because he's a tool maker where I, I, I find kindred spirit in him is he wants it right. He wants, he, you know, we, the, we got the um, one of the best booths award at the, the show this year. So you want to see, there's another showman, right? Very technical. And all we do, the engineering side, the molding, the plastics, the certification, yeah a wall full of patents and innovation, but he never loses sight of you, our customer, relative to making it interesting and entertaining. And so, and then I looked at this opportunity way beyond drain covers. Now, keep in mind, I've been heavily involved and I was the chairman of the um, energy efficiency standard. I was on the road with Pentair helping to introduce this crazy new product called the variable speed pump mm-hmm. and internal salespeople, the pool, it, you know, it, it was a challenge to make the in-floor cleaning systems work. It was a heavy lift to figure out starting from scratch, how to implement that. And, and so that really fit in that got me exposed to all of that side of the world so when Aquastar, and it came as no surprise once I was inside the tent, that, yeah, they were doing drain covers and wall fittings and all kinds of things to keep pools from leaking and, and steps and just everything you need inside the applicator connection inside the pool was their focus and some chlorinators and stuff like that. But once I got inside to the design meetings, oh my, was this a very uh, lengthy roadmap as everyone probably knows by now, we've introduced filters and like the drain covers, they are very innovative, safety, energy efficiency, performance, usability. That's the core of our collective focus. And, you know, if you look at who Aquastar is, it, you know, the best way to look at it is a picture Olympic pool with a, a competitive race going on. You got eight or 12 lanes and individual swimmers. And, you know, I'm in a lane, Todd Pierre, Mandy, there's just a whole group, Jim, our engineer of people that they have as unique a life story as I do, that's just or more significant, you know, professional golfers, sports people that are working all to that same goal of delivering world-class products and services. And while that's going on, 
Uloff allows me to do the full time. It's, you know, his job's, a, you know, Aquastar is nearly a full time job in the codes and standards because I didn't rattle off my background, but I'm co-chair of the PHTA technical committee. Um, I'm the chairman of the drain cover standard writing committee. Uh, I was one of the founders to get ANSI 7 going. I vote on the International Swimming Pool and Spa Code. I've worked with the Model Aquatic Health Code to harmonize that with our pool codes. And so I've been in the behind the scenes on the codes and standards and education, all with the common goal of delivering to the backyard a meaningful, meaningful environment that it's a it's a technical world we live in. But we want to try and deliver something that the pool owners need to know. Watch the little ones around water. Watch your water chemistry. But everything else we do kind of takes care of itself. You just need pros to help you accomplish it. And so that's really kind of the background of who. Yeah. Right. Well, that is, uh, um, I mean, you definitely have a a long and winding road uh, through into and then through through the industry. and like you mentioned, you know, Aquastar is a great partner of Nespa and you, you did win the best booth award for your size this year. And it looked, it looked amazing, by the way. Um, uh, so kind of right where you ended talking about the homeowner and the pool professional that uh, is employed by that homeowner to keep the pool clean, keep the pool safe, build the pool the right way and all that. So here's Aquastar and other companies that are building products designing engineering products to a certain standard talking about vgb for a second so that was passed into law in 2006 passed into law 2007 december 19th or 18th i always forget okay 2007 so august the detail that sticks in this brain i apologize to the world Uh, but it is so it was it was december 2007 and it went into effect in 2008 Right. Um, so that's a financial crash, a war, a pandemic ago. <laughs> Here we are, it's 15 years. Um, but it doesn't, it doesn't, the impact of it hasn't been diminished. And there's still, I believe, you know, it, deadlines that flow out of that that are still sort of cycling through as far as products on the market, products being manufactured and things like things like that. And I don't think it it ever loses. It's never not timely to talk about safety as it relates to both buying quality products that are designed the right way. But then there's also that big piece of installing them the right way, right? Making sure that it's not just the right drain cover, but that it's the right drain cover for the outlet, inlet, sump that was designed, and that those are, are those match. And you can do that a couple of ways. Um, Take, take everything you just talked about, right? As far as all of those products, all of the regulations, all of the standards that inform and govern what manufacturers can and can't do, right? As far as how they design and engineer their products. And now take me out to the construction site, right? So I'm the, I'm the pool contractor. And maybe I've been doing this for 30 years. Maybe I've been doing it for three. Um, every project is different, right? So it's constantly worth refreshing and reminding that these types, what are the products out there? What are the problems that they solve? Um, Even folks who've been doing this for a long time might, you know, normally use a certain product or a certain method. 
And then you get to a job where the pool's got to be a different shape. It's got to be a different depth. Um, there's other site requirements or homeowner requirements. And hey, I got to design. I got to design this a little differently. How do I do it? That's still compliant. Um, take that jump for me in this conversation about VGB from the product design to uh, imp- implementation in the field. Sure. So let's um, let's start at the beginning of the VGBA. This was 2008 when it goes into effect, and so I collectively refer to it as VGB 2008 product. And then there's VGBA 2017 product. 2017 is the date of the drain cover standard was revised for the first time since its introduction in 2007. ANSI standards have to be revised. They're supposed to be revised or reviewed every five years. And if you don't do it every 10, they no longer ANSI approved. So there is more changes coming. They won't be anything as radical as we've seen, but this standard and others continue to evolve. But in 2008, you know, you I think everyone, if you build on that, you okay, you pick the drain cover, they had a flow rating for a floor and wall, and you want to make sure they can handle the full flow of the pump kind of the concept. That all, that's the foundation we stand on. Um, what changed is with the um, 2017 standard, that went into effect on May 24th, 2021. So just last year, that's a manufacturing change to the drain cover standard. So everything made before, whether it be installed or on shelves or in distribution, or it's an oddball powder blue color in our warehouse that will ship someday in the future, all marked generically VGB 2008. All of that remains legal. Follow the instructions of the cover that's in your hand, basically. That would be the number one message I would have. And then when you start, well, I guess they're in the marketplace now because of the crazy pipeline and the pool businesses, basically. I think people are definitely seeing the new VGBA 2017 standard. That's what's marked on them now. And those have new instructions and the significant change to the standard is now instead of one flow rate for the floor and one flow rate for cover in the wall, there is a flow rate for each pipe size. So inch and a half will have a flow rating, two inch, two and a half, three, four, all the way out. And the and that's that's the new big deal. Okay. And why it's important, and maybe we can show some video of the hair waving into a drain cover is the hair goes down inside it goes it follows the water through the pipe into it through the cover into the pipe so if that pipe and the hair is 16 inches long so if that pipe opening is less than 16 inches deep then the hair goes into it so the smaller the pipe the inch and a half a ponytail fills it up plugs it up right and if you get to bigger pipe well it doesn't so you know, hydraulic, we know small pipe has a lower flow rate than a great big pipe. Those same type of physics impact the hair test. And it's the hair test that makes the pipe size and the pipe depth and these new flow rates so important. So the takeaway from that background of what somebody needs to evaluate in the pool is you kind of, it's three things. You start, what, what do I got? I got an eight inch round. I've got a whatever it is, a nine by nine, if it's a public pool, whatever. Okay. So what is it? 
So that's number one. Then in that existing pool, what is the pipe size and pipe depth? Okay, those are two pieces of information you need. Then once you have that, you can look up for a given drain cover, it's flow rating for that configuration. Now the final step is the same one we've had all along is what's the flow potential of the swimming pool itself? What's the pump? You know, what's the size? What's the hydraulics of it? Okay. So what's the, the what's the pool shape size? Not the shape, the drain cover size. What's its pipe depth? What's its um, pipe size? And what is that related flow rate? And then you, you marry those. So I try and make that sound simple in practice. It gets a little bit more complicated, but if you understand that three-step, then, then you've kind of, you've got it, got it nailed. The challenge with that, and, and some people ask, where did this come from? Certainly I was intimately involved, but the testing every pipe and port size actually came from a CPSC report. I think it was 2013, 14, I forget the exact date. They did over two years. So the standard, we were working on the standard from 2008 on because there were some issues with pumps and testing with labs using variable speed pumps that when you use a high speed pump, you get a different result. And then people had to go back and retest and, oh, okay. So now we got these riser rings and it was that terrible R word, um, you know, the, that whole recall that was nobody, you know, it, stuff happens, unfortunately. And the reality is variable speed pumps were used in a lab for body block test. They don't suck hard when, you know, so if you have a thousand gallon per minute pump and test a hundred gallon per minute drain cover, you're running that variable speed pump on low speed. Well, there's no suction. There's no pressure on the filter gauge and all that stuff. And so that's what drove all of, of um, that kind of, of detail in the, the drain cover uh, recall that we that changed everything. So one of the, as a result of that, so the standard had to be fixed to address a bunch of stuff in the labs just to make it more mature, basically. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, that spills in. And part of evaluating that, those changes to the standard, the CPSC did over two years worth, well, it took them, over, it was two years before the report came out, months and months of testing. The federal government built a million dollar lab. And just if if you're listening to this and you're familiar with the alphabet soup of the pool industry, but not familiar with CPSC, that's the Consumer Product Safety Commission. So it's not a pool governing body. It has to do with all types of consumer products. Yeah. Just adding a little. Context. Yeah, no, thank you. I have to be corralled on my alphabet soup. I realize that's a weakness of mine. I live it. So, you know, right. yeah. So the con- U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission under the VGB Act, they, um, the, the VGB Act made drain covers, the drain cover standard, a consumer product safety standard, just like strollers and cribs and right. Venetian blinds. And so, and basically it's child protection is the core of what they do, but it's product safety. And so in support, and so the drain cover standard is federal law. Congress wrote it into the act. And they they the it is responsibility of the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission to to enforce the drain cover law, and also they have some authority over public pools, and so they investigate those. And so the um, so this why this has changed is where I'm going here, mm-hmm. and and why every pipe site because it's it, it's an it's kind of a nuisance. It's important though, um, so. 
they tested the channel drains and all kinds of stuff, how the hair all focused on how the labs work. They found they were getting different answers depending on pipe size and port location. And they said, okay, so this one flow rate doesn't always fit all. And so they wrote into the standard or had us write into the standard that every pipe size and pipe depth will be tested. And I was personally thinking it was extreme overkill until some thousands of tests later and looking at the flow rates, not just of ours, we have our own lab. So we see firsthand through these windows and all of that. Um, but in looking at everyone else's drain cover flow ratings, everybody's are all over the map. And what that kind of confirmed to me is the CPSC, U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission and their engineers got it right. They're saying, hey, and, and what a lot of people don't know maybe is that the number one suction entrapment is hair entanglement. There's five hazards that are identified in the standard body is the one we, we think of. Um, if a cover's missing limb or the tragic of Abigail Taylor sitting on a suction outlet with no cover on it. And, uh, you know, those horrific stories. But the, the one that continues, and this is the one that we're going to have to watch forever, is hair entanglement. And that's because hair follows the water through the drain into the pipe. And so that's a challenge. On that, So that's why and where it came from. Now, one of the things I want to emphasize here again for our installers is you might have had a retrofit drain cover that had a um, flow rating of 170. I'll, I'll think about our A10 RCFR. I know these numbers. Well, then once we started testing it, um, the, the, the standard says you, you test the body block, the maximum suction on the biggest sump or pipe that you're going to use. So we did our initial testing on everything on six inch pipe. So basically it's 10 inch cover over six inch pipe because mm -hmm. I knew that would be the maximum flow rate for the body block. But when we did the hair test, the, the hair test went from 170 to 250. And I was like, you, this is good. Wow, they didn't really test this right. And then I went back and looked at the test reports. Oh, they did three inch pipe, three inches deep. And we did that test and shazam, the flow rate's 170. So that one flow rate was accurate, but when we went bigger, the flow rates go on. Now I'll go to the other extreme, and this is the point here, is when we go to inch and a half pipe, the hair just goes in and plugs up. And so, in fact, we can't even in our lab get to 170 gallons a minute through inch and a half pipe. It vaporizes like a jet doing a hard turn. You see the vapor behind the yeah. over the wings. Well, that's vaporized. That water does the same thing. We know it is cavitation. We can hear it in the pump, right? When your pump's cavitating, your vacuum's too high. Well, that can happen out behind a drain cover if you can get to a high enough flow. So the point here is the inch and a half flow rates are down into the, uh, you know, as low as 63 gallons a minute and maybe up into the 120 range. And so what's happening is the max flow of the pump process that is used by some health departments and people, it's, it's a great way. So if you have a pump that can only do 125 gallons a minute and your drain cover is rated at 170, compliance is easy for all of us, right? It just, it works. But when your pump can do 125 and that pool is piped with inch and a half pipe and now it can, and the new flow rating 63, everyone's going, whoa, okay, we got, have we had this problem? We have a, a, right. a serious issue in the, in the, in the pools. 
And I just did some training for the New Jersey Environmental Health um, just a couple of weeks ago. I think on the it was a Sunday on the 5th or something like that of, of March. And one of the things I showed them video, taught them this and just showed them that the using that max pump flow works great until it doesn't and had to go through is you cannot get that much water through inch and a half pipe. So even though it has a really uh, apparently a lower VGBA flow rating, when you run your pump on high speed, it can't even get there. We're doing the testing and I'm seeing it show up in, in our other uh in other product manufacturers, similar pipe ratings is we're testing at like anywhere from 15 to 20 feet a second. And I know I'm getting technical here again, but the point is the VGB ratings on these drain covers that are pipe size based now is think of that kind of the red line of a car. So the tachometer, okay. It, we're testing to know when, it, or when are we going to blow up the engine? So that red line on a car, if you get there, bad things can happen, okay? So they're finding this is dangerous for product and people and life and life and all of that. And the VGBA flow ratings are kind of like that. The new ones are crazy high compared to our building code at six feet per second or eight feet per second. So to put the inch and a half in perspective, the public pool or energy, the APSP 15, which is the residential energy efficiency standard says you design your suction system for six feet per second. And that is 38 gallons a minute with inch and a half pipe. So yeah, 93 gallons a minute seems a lot lower than the original 170, but it's way above what we're really dealing with in, in the real world. So the analogy is the VGB is the red line. And if you run a car at the red line, odds are you are probably speeding and you're violating the code, right? Of how fast you should drive. So the, we, we test and we'll continue to test VGBA flow rating from that point of view to get the highest. We wanna know when is it getting unsafe? So if that number might be crazy to run a variable speed pump that fast, but you can't exceed the, the, the flow rating of the cover, then we're just done as an industry. But our quality designers, our genesis and you know hydraulic engineers, they've questioned, what are you doing with these crazy high flow rates on inch and a half pipe? Well, just so everyone understands, we're testing to know when bad things happen, right. not how you operate it or, or install it. Right. Yeah, no, that, I mean, it's it sounds like medicine, right? Or, or even expiration dates on food that can last, you can normally have it a few days. They, they, there's a, there's a margin that's built in, right? Where this is everyday use and this is, you're pushing it. And then like, here's where you're starting to get, get it, get it, get, it, get in trouble. And for most folks out there building, most of our members or companies building pools, um, most of the time they're learning in the lane they should be in anyway, whether they're taking a, a professional training course through us or, or, PHTA or water shapes or whoever, and then, um, or, or working through one of the manufacturer's training programs, you're, you're, you're educating in the safe zone, so to speak, right. Or op, uh, let's, let's call it the optimal performance zone. And that's this, there's like, there's a, some room. So there's, I think if you, from a liability perspective, if you're the construction engineer or the construction professional, there's a, a little bit of a cushion, right. A little bit of a room for a margin of error that doesn't 
allow you to, 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 to bad things to happen, but uh, in no way. Yeah. So that's, is, that's a really good, you remind me of something that, that um, is a really good segue. And that's when the, the design when you're designing for your flow rate to uh, the thing you want to focus on is focus on your design. Okay. Just like you are right now for new, new construction. Um, when you're designing your suction systems and the for VGB, first place, start design your pool, design your project, figure out what, you know, how many pumps, what are you doing with spas and, you know, water features, figure all that out. Um, then look at those hydraulics. And for those that are actually doing TDH calculations in advance, um, ignore the drain covers to start on your TDH. One of the things is, and I, I'll spare you the detail on that, is the drain covers are not what's driving the, the vacuum levels. It's your pipe size. The drain covers just have a almost, I mean, they're there, but, and you can see head loss curves, but it's, you can ignore it from a design point of view. So if you just use, okay, from the pipe out in the middle of the pool or spa or wherever, do all of your calculations. You're going to look at your design flow rates for your building code and energy efficiency or, or whatever at the end of that process. And now you've picked a pump, do your traditional thing. Now at the end of that for VGB compliance, look at what your highest speed potential flow is for your suction system and go select a drain cover that has a higher flow rate. What we what what will help is quit saying, well, I always do this drain cover. I don't care if it's ours or anyone else's. Right. That is, you know, I, this is this is my product selection. You know, just like we pick our pumps, our filters, our controllers, that kind of a thing. Exclude drain covers from that list from now on. Will help you. You might pick your favorite manufacturer, but the um, <laughs> you know, but. Save that for last. Now you can properly size it because there's lots of options uh, here now and coming in the future. And then that'll just simplify that process. It is complicated, but the process doesn't need to be. Right. One more point on that sure. is when you're doing is some to get to these flow rates, if you want to use the max flow potential, for example, um, if you want to use the classic 10 inch round drain cover, and you want it to have a flow rating higher than your max flow of your pump, say 170, well, that might require you to use three-inch pipe, or you could even go to a four-inch sump bucket, okay? Before you go, uh, yeah, I'm not doing that. The standard defines um, suction outlet fitting assemblies. So you've maybe heard this term sofas or seen it. So that's the suction outlet fitting assembly, and that's everything from the cover to the end where the hair can reach is the way to think about it. So if you want to use dual 10 inch drains with a flow rating of 200, you're going to need four inch pipe, but you only need it for the first 16 inches. So you can use two covers, four inch pipe with a sump bucket to a four inch teeth and now reduce down to whatever that other design was. So nice. two inch, two and a half, so you only need to use the big pipe or the bigger drains where it's within range of the, the hair. So that's why I'm saying do your whole design, then come back and pick and size your, your, your drain covers and their appropriate to handle that flow rate, their appropriate um, pipe size, but you only need to use it just a little way from the standard or from the, from the sump bucket itself. 
So you design the pool to whatever system you want, whatever whatever pump speed, yep. size, uh, and then all the pipe sizing is relative to how much water you need to move and all of that. And then that doesn't matter at the end of the day because you can make those safety-related adjustments to be VG compliant at the end within that. Yeah, and that's the place to do it because you got you can't really size for VGB flow rate until you know what that is. Right. Well, you can't know what that is until you design the pool. Right. Right. So don't, you know, normally we say safety first, but that's a, that's a catch 22 in this, yeah. this case, it will be our first priority when we hand off and finish the design, right. you know, be it bonding and electrical and filter safety and certainly heater safety, where these things go. Right. This is no different. Put them, put the drain covers in that category. You do it at the end once you know what the flow rates are going to be. And then from an existing pool point of view, and that can get, I mean, that's the three and a half hour presentation I did <laughs> twice in Atlantic City. Right. Um, and there's a really good article coming out in the edge um, that goes into a lot of detail, uses the alphabet soup repeatedly, I'm sure, because I wrote it. Um, so, but there you can, that's a good resource if you want to drill into this, but on the, on the res, on the, um, whether it be residential or public, it doesn't matter, uh, that you, you talked about the secret safety margin. Well, all of the drain covers are tested as a single drain connected directly to a high head pump. If it's variable speed, it's on full tilt buggy. Okay. That's the red line BGB rating. Then there's some, and that's an extremely conservative test, uh, a series of tests. Then if it's a blockable drain, we install two of them. So now we've taken that flow rate and their T together right. and it's divided in half. Okay. That that's why there's not been a dual drain entrapment other than there's a couple of them, but it was in the foot well of a spa with the two hockey pucks on either side. Mm-hmm. And the gentleman was very large and plugged the foot well of the the spa <laughs> so it's, you know so he blocked everything that's technically there's a you know a us consumer product safety report on that we've read it so but on the classic dual drains on spas in ground spas and pool zero no no entrapments unless the cover's missing then we have limbs and but I was going to ask you about that, right? About the effectiveness of VGB. Right? We just talked a little, I mean, for, for quite a bit and you do it constantly talking about these, the products and the importance of them and how they're designed and how they, how they get installed. And it's been since 2008. And this is a good example of, I, I think whenever you're working in a trade or, or in a business environment, there's a tension between government regulation and, and what business you know, and the effectiveness of that and it being in the way or people have different feelings and everybody's in a, in, sure. in a different spot. This is, this is an example of where, yeah, it, it forced change, right? <clears throat> it forced a, a initial upheaval from how I understand it. It was, it was very tumultuous for a year or two, um, but it was effective. Would you agree with that Absolutely. as far as, as far as its intended purpose of reducing or nearly eliminating entrapment related uh, issues in pools. And we, we don't have to guess on this. this. The U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission currently and forever has collected and analyzed drowning deaths, um, you know, open water, all of it, including right. the category of suction entrapment. 
And um, we were averaging between the 80s and 2007 when the standard came out, about three a year um, fatalities. And then um, and then many, 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 many more entrapments near misses, you know, near drownings, mechanical and stuff like that. Since the act was passed and implemented, there has not been a single fatality or even an injury on a compliant pool. There have been entrapments, but not on a compliant pool that was maintained. And I add the maintain because since then we did have a public spa with six drain covers. And in an afternoon, it was a resort pool. Afternoon breeze blows all of the leaves out of the landscaping into the spa it started its day this was as a resort pool it was clean in the morning this storm blows all the leaves in they plug up five and a half of the drains and a girl gets her hair entangled in one of the remaining ones her father has to pull her free um so it's not a fatality but it could have been so that that's the closest we but that was a maintenance thing so i i always put that out there but relative to that issue aside it's hundred percent effective, and all we have to do is implement it. I I compare it to where we were with the electrical systems. Is when we first invented electricity and started putting it in houses, we had the Frankenstein switches. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's a horseshoe kind of thing. It's a blade connection. It's got a, a very safety minded as, aspect device on it called a rubber handle. So just grab the rubber handle, open and close it. Life's good. Just don't lean against this thing, Um, you know, because bad things happen. And so that was where we started out electrically and we burnt out houses and hurt people. And so then we ended up with fuses and obviously switch plates and plugs and that kind of thing. But then on behind the scenes, the very technical, we ended up with fuses first. Um, So if there's a short, we quit burning down the houses. Then they matured to circuit breakers and now kind of the end game is GFCIs that we even have to put on our pool pumps now and equipment and all of that. So really where we are with the um, suction safety is, is a little bit analogous to that. We have now matured to the point that we are up to GFCIs and the effectiveness. We're not hurting people. We're not burning down houses, but it's not as simple as two screws and a piece of plastic, Right. Electrical is for our users and those of us who live in this world, it's just, it's a no brainer, but behind the scenes, it's obviously extremely technical for manufacturers and and certified electricians and that kind of a thing. And that's kind of where we are with the VGB and the, the drain covers is there is a level of responsibility that makes it more difficult. But the good news is just like when all of the electrical stuff is done properly and maintained, it works. And so does the VGB Act. Where you need to focus is on the shout for existing pools everywhere when you're designing them. But on existing pools, it's like, okay, how do you look at, you're going into a backyard for or an event or anywhere for, um, for whatever reason, and you're charged with looking at the VGB compliance, the place to really, really pay attention to pipe size depth and all that is shallow water. Spas in particular, because the water's warm, girls in particular, long hair, like to hang out. They like to do handstands. Mm 
They like to play under the water. It's warm. It's comfortable. So they're in there a long time and exposed to these drain covers and spas are high flow. We have jet pumps with no filter on them. So this is the location to look at um, if you're evaluating the convenience of spas, you can drain them and get in and looking without diving in cold water. We get, if we're to go to the other extreme, if you've got dual drains at the bottom of a three meter board or mm-hmm. platform, your, your risk and exposure is just minuscule. So that one, of course, we want to follow federal law and be safe. But as you're prioritizing, if you've got dual drains out in the bottom of a deep end pool, I, I, those we never had an entrapment. Make sure the drain covers are installed. Right. We're good to go. The place to look is sidewall suctions and shallow water and spots. All right. Well, that's that's good advice, especially we'll, we'll sort of end there on the, the main inside of it, right? Or the existing pool piece. And I think the 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 point to cap off that you made about the success of the VGB should only encourage people to not only pay attention to what you have to say, read the article in the edge, but really understand from a construction process what they're doing because that continued success and effectiveness is important for certainly individuals, but certainly for the industry as a whole. Um, So a lot of information conveyed, uh, uh, really interesting technical stuff. We have a very broad audience, Steve, um, all different types, designers, um, maintenance, service, construction, you know, our, our membership is as diverse as the industry and everybody finds something in something. And there's already a couple of people in my head who are going to, are going to say to me, I wish you had let them go further because they love the technical <laughs> stuff. They love, love the details. So, uh, this is, this has been great. Um, again, coming out in, I believe it should be out in our second quarter. So maybe late May, our next edition of the edge magazine has an article from Steve about VGB and compliance. If you want more information, check that out there. And where can people get a hold of you, Steve, if they, if they need to, or want to. So they can certainly, um, you know, this is an important audience. I'll give you my email, Steve B at aquastarpoolproducts.com. So Steve B as in Barnes, aquastarpoolproducts.com. The website also is a tremendous resource on all of these things. Um, Our catalog, there's a lot of detailed information on this. So that's a a resource there. Mm -hmm. And then certainly um, what what Nespa is doing in education and and the leadership role that you've played with the, the water wall going back, working with, what an honor to work with. Paula P-Track on, on kind of that concept and design and, you know, the continuing education that Nespa does is just fantastic. Um, so they can reach me there. You can reach out to um, you know, Aquastar at the 800 number. I've learned to quit giving out my cell phone number out of self-defense. So. <laughs> Hear that one. All right. Well, listen, Steve, again, thank you. Thank you for being here. Um, thanks for everybody for checking out this episode of New Depths podcast. Uh, again, we're here in our second season. It's been it's been great so far. We've got more guests coming up. So I hope you enjoyed this episode and I hope you'll uh, pay attention and tune in to the next one. So again, I'm Dominic with Nespa. Thanks again for watching and listening.